This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello Dreamers and welcome to the Dreamers Disease podcast with myself Alex Manzi and this is the podcast where we aim to inspire you to become the best version of yourself through hearing the stories of inspirational people and their life lessons and these are people who are out in the world and really following their dreams because I believe it's the disease of dreaming and not doing that causes us to live unhappy lives so we try to take some of the wisdom and knowledge that these people have you know experienced and try to apply it to our day-to-day lives so on this week's episode i'm joined by kalechi okafer who is just an amazing woman she does so many different things she's an actress she's a director she has her own companies she's a writer she's a podcaster she does a bit of radio she just the list is honestly endless so it's a very amazing episode and we spoke about so much we covered the benefits of therapy how as someone who's quite kind of outspoken spoken online and is an online kind of activist and not just online but in real world as well but how she deals with a backlash online when it comes back to her the importance of protecting your energy religious beliefs versus spiritual beliefs and she even gave me a live tarot card reading which is amazing i was literally blown away because it's something that i'm really interested in at the minute so so as i said it was an amazing experience great episode and i hope you guys enjoy this one before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to let you know about my free ebook, Daily Positive, which you can download right now. I've written this book because I'm dedicated to help you make 2019 your best year ever. Daily Positive is filled with my own personal experiences battling with depression and heavy anxiety and some of the practices that help me get rid of those thoughts and feelings. It's written to help you build and maintain a more positive mindset for yourself to make this the best year you can have. In it, you can expect to learn the importance of self-awareness, how adding just 1% value to your days can really benefit in the long run, how to rediscover your inner self, why happiness only comes from within, and it's also packed with some practical exercises that you can do for yourself. So to get your copy, simply head to thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash ebook and download it for free right now. That's thedreamersdisease.co.uk forward slash ebook. I'd like to thank you for listening. Make sure you do hit that subscribe button. Make sure you also leave a review. So let's jump straight in and hear Kalechi's story. Welcome. Hi, hi, hi. How are you? I'm all right. I was cold earlier. But I'm freezing fine. earlier. It's really cold, but I'm fine now. And I was out and about on my bike. Um, I cycled wow. down to Mare Street and I was like, this is the worst idea ever. <laughs> like halfway there, I was like, still, my hands were cold, my face was cold. Like the cold was going down my, my That's it. It gets jacket. in my eyes. It just really gets in my eyes. The cold gets in my eyes. That's yeah. the worst part. But so be it. It's winter, right? <laughs> um, okay, so to begin with... Mm-hmm. Can you introduce yourself to the people in terms of who you are and what you do? And there's a very, very long list of things that you do. Because yeah. when I was doing my kind of research and, you know, knowing a kind of bit about you, there's mm. like an endless list of like, I'm not going to list it. I'll <laughs> let you do it. We'll, we'll discuss I, this after. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm an actor, director, and I have a pole dance studio. And I guess I do like lots of social commentary and I had a podcast that's finished now. I just wanted to do it for a year and that's done. And I... That's, I think that kind of, that's more succinct. Like just, that's yeah. what I do. But I guess things branch off, yeah. off that. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a longer list. That's yeah. like the short list. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so I'll, I'll throw some things in the top of that. <laughs> so there's a uh, twerk instructor. Mm-hmm. There's, you said podcaster. Mm. I guess YouTuber, because you put stuff on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, tarot card reader. Yeah. Um, radio presenter yeah okay that's a new thing now i need to get used to i need to get used to saying that like i've had i've done it for like a good over a month now i need to get used to saying it 
Um, yeah. You said social commentary. Activist, that's it, I guess. Yeah. So it's a long, it's a long list. And that's what's interesting because to me, the social commentary is part of my activism. Like I'm just going to yeah. be very, very loud about all of these things. Yeah. But I guess that, yeah, it's... Yeah. That if I split them up, there's a long list. So how do you, how do you find like the balance between everything? Because... You know, I know you said the radio thing's quite new and the podcast mm. has ended, but pretty much all of it is all happening at the same time, yeah. all the time. So how do you find that like balance for yourself? I feel like it would be a lie to say that there is a balance. Like people are like, oh yeah, everything's, no, it's not balance. I think you go one way and then you tip it back. I'm a Libra. I say I'm a Libra, but I'm more of a Scorpio really. But um, if I feel it going too much one way, I have to just pull it back. So if I'm spending too much time um, focus on studio stuff or just doing lots of social commentary stuff or being really involved in the external world mm. then I know that like, oh, I need to pull it back in and yeah. just focus on doing things that I enjoy that has nothing to do with other people um, so yeah the finding the balance is really difficult and I think it's a lifelong quest and I don't think I have it right most of the time it's only when I see that I've gone to an extreme that I have to run back mm. the other way and when do you know that you've hit that kind of extreme moment when I'm exhausted because it doesn't even like you don't even think about it straight away it's just it just kind of catches me where I'm like oh, I can't even get up now I'm exhausted mm. I need to do like take a rain check and chill or if there's something that's really major that's happened so like when um the caricature was drawn of um Serena Williams yeah. there was a lot of noise around that and I was speaking quite a bit about that and after I did um I was on the breakfast show, show talking about it and seeing how many views and all the comments that people had to make, that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to need to take a break from this one as well and just rest mm. and focus on resting. Yeah. And is that because you were getting lots of comments back and like yeah. stuff kind of directed at you yeah, and but not about the subject, if that makes sense? Yeah, not necessarily about the subject, but sometimes, and it sounds wild, but sometimes it's not even necessarily negative comments. Mm. I'm just a very introverted person. So when I see like lots and lots of comments, whether good or bad coming my way, it's overwhelming and I need to just mm. back out of it. So I'll probably like delete the app. Yeah. Like now on most of my apps, I don't have notifications. So I only go on when I want to go on. Oh, yeah, I'm the yeah same. I don't get prompted yeah. like to come on and check. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's best. But sometimes I'll just go as far as to like either sign out or just delete the app. So I don't yeah. get tempted to like click on it and see yeah. what people are saying. And the way that I set up my social media, most especially my Instagram as well, people can obviously send me messages. Mm. So I might talk on a subject that touches a lot of people in Insta stories. And then I get like so many messages messages back in response to that and again overwhelming so I just don't talk yeah yeah but so many messages back like in a, in a good way of people like yeah, showing support in a, yeah, or is in a it good like... way or even just sharing their experiences yeah. and I think sometimes it's a lot to take on other people's experiences like I could be talking about the school to prison pipeline mm. and how black boys are disproportionately expelled out of school um like permanently expelled from school and things like that and then like I don't know 25 mothers will send me a message going this happened to my son and I care and I know that if I read each individual message it will kind of like knock me energy wise. Mm. So I'd have to go away, think about it all and then come back and maybe respond one at a time. Yeah. Like every other hour or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it can be quite a lot to say. Like I get, mm. I'm probably no, nowhere near as many, but I get a lot of people reaching out for like advice or help or in particular situations. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, what would you say about this? And it, it can be quite overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Like I do enjoy it. And I love the fact that people feel like they can reach out. Definitely. But I do get what you mean. It can, if you're trying to take it all on board at once, yeah, it can be quite 
uh, yeah, overwhelming and it can kind of get on top of you a little bit. Yeah. But again, that's part of, you know, doing the, the things that we do, yeah. opening yourself up for that. For that interaction. Know, two, yeah, to a interaction. Mm. And, but have you got any like routines then that you kind of, you do, like you mentioned that you might, you know, check your, or reply to messages one every other hour. Yeah. Whatever. But do you have like a day-to-day kind of normal routine that kind of keeps you in sync and keeps your energy in check? Um, I think the first thing is that when I wake up, I just don't look at my phone. That's mm. like, if it's, I try and do everything that I need to do before I look at my phone. So that might be, um, wake up, pray or, and, or meditate. Um, I pull a tarot card for myself and then I do that thing. Is it the artist's way or the writer's way where mm. I pull a tarot card and I just write, um, just write without thinking about it for three pages nonstop of what? I've what comes to my mind when I look at that card um in a almost like advice to myself sometimes I write it as it comes to me so I might write it saying I or I might write it saying you the times that I write it as you I don't read it back because I know that it's something that I'm meant to read later on so I'll do that go for a run go to the gym or if I've got like Brazilian jiu-jitsu I'll go I'll go and do something that's part of my like um kind of physical fitness regime I'll do that and then, then I'll get onto messages because at least then I know that I've made space for myself. So no matter what I see online, because it's a whole entire world, mm. like things can be happening. You have no clue. And no matter how many times I warn people not to send me um, things that could be triggering, they still send it. And they're like, have you seen this? So as long as I've done all of my routine, should I see that I'm in a better space of yeah. mind? Shall I like, take it in? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Do you know we're going to come back to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> in just a second because mm. this is something I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. But something I'm more interested in mm. currently, right now, is you've mentioned three things that mm-hmm. have spiked my interest: is tarot cards, yeah, um, horoscopes, mm-hmm. and you got a crystal around your neck. Mm-hmm. So I've recently, I've always been interested in horoscopes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but recently I've just kind of um, rediscovered a passion for it, shall yeah, we say? Yeah. And I've been working with this uh, girl called Momo on a freelance job mm-hmm. and. She's literally teaching me everything about That's amazing. horoscopes and crystal. She's mm-hmm. a, I call her a crystal dealer, but she's like, <laughs> but she, but she is. Um, she's like, just knows everything. She's mm. like, oh my God, you need this crystal. Or like mm. one day I'm like stressed. She's like, oh, I've got this crystal. Put this on your forehead for like 30 seconds. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, so she's teaching me loads. So mm. first things first, tarot cards. I don't know anything about this tarot. life. I, and I, I feel like I need to know now. I feel like this has come to me at the right time. A tarot is incredible. It's incredible. And I know that... I guess we in the society that we grow like we've grown up in there are certain uh, kind of spiritual practices that have been frowned upon or it's been kind of agreed in society that we don't go near that because we're all mainly focused on the kind of Abrahamic religions and that's what we should um, devote ourselves to and while I agree that there's definitely truths for us to have there there is empowerment for us to find in having tarot cards to have that personal form of divination and to be able to advise ourselves and I think that there are certain messages that are meant for us that can never come through anybody else and it's also tarot cards are great because they spark your um, your intuition mm. and the more we train our intuition I think the less that we can com- be controlled by um the images that are fed to us through the media um it's important to really really know ourselves and it's you know that's why the phrase is there know thyself but how do you go about knowing thyself you need um you need something, an external tool that you can use. And tarot happens to be that for me. Mm. And before I got into it, I just thought, this is the scariest thing ever. I'll never understand all of the images. And 
the wildest thing is that you will understand every single image really? every single image you'll understand it even if you don't know like what the kind of general consensus is is about um that particular card you feel it you looking at the images and breaking it down you get it mm. And um, I bought a book, The Beginner's Guide to Tarot, a couple of years ago. And I just sat down and read the book and was playing with the card. And the best way I could teach myself was to pull a card every day and learn the energy of each card. Um, within the tarot, you've got the major arcana and the minor arcana. So the major arcana, there are 22 cards. It starts with uh, the first card, which is actually zero, the mm. fall. And that speaks to the fact that in any situation we're new to the thing. We don't know anything about it. And we could, you know, we're le taking a leap off a cliff because the, Im uh, the image is a figure that's got a backpack or a little um, um, sack and they're about to step off the cliff. We yeah. don't even know how um, far or how high they are. Yeah. They've got a dog accompanying them. <laughs> yeah. We just have no clue, yeah. but they seem happy enough. And so many times in our lives, we've been the fool. And then the card after that, which is then officially number one, is the magician card in that any situation we find ourselves in, we can use all of the tools, um, the wands, the coin, um, the cup, and um, use all of these tools to help ourselves to move to where we need to move. Yeah. Um, so like I said, yeah, you've got your cups, you've got the coins, you've got the wands, and what else do you have? The sword. Mm. So those speak to the different types of energy um, and the different types. Because, um, you know, we've got air signs, earth signs, yeah. fire signs and water signs. So the cup is water, the one's fire, coin is earth and the sword is air. Okay. And it'll, it's really, really random. You'll pull a card and it'll be the one that kind of speaks to you the most. So mm. whenever I know, if I'm doing a reading for myself, most of the time, the first card that will come out is the queen of swords because I'm a Libra. And that's the first card that mm. I'll see. So if you're doing a reading, mm -hmm. so if you were to do a reading right now, mm -hmm. what would the kind of, how would it roll out? Like, What would be the kind of process of it? Is it like pick a card, any card? Or is it like take the, you, you know, you, do you shuffle mm -hmm. them? Do you take the one on top? Do you, it's, how does it's it work? What, that's interesting. Like all the options that you've given, anyone can literally have any option that they want. Okay. Sometimes I give people the deck of cards. I've shuffled it usually at the end of a reading and I've put it back in my box. I give them the card. They don't even shuffle. They just pick the cards, but into like intuitively, that's what they needed to do yeah. for their message. Um, it's brilliant. So most times I just say like a, a prayer, like a sm um, short prayer, just appealing to the highest um, consciousness of that person and asking for us to be guided so they receive the message that's best for them, the kindest, the most loving message. And um, and then pull the cards from there and see what comes out. Yeah. Mm. Amazing. Do you have your cards on you now? Yeah, it's in Can my we, back. We Grab do, it. Should we do a live? Well, yeah, let's do it. Let's a, do it. A live recorded reading. <laughs> let's do it. So I've always, you know, I've always, there's something about them that I've always wanted to kind of do it. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm just interested in it in general. It's one of the things that, like I said, it sparks interest in me. So um, the, um, the deck that I've got. It's an amazing deck of cards <laughs> like, the collider dope deck wow they're is. like so they're quite chunky i'm going to try and describe yeah. them they're quite chunky and they've got like silver edges so yeah, they like just look like a shimmering yeah. holographic packet of cards so i feel like so in yeah trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so these are created by crystal black um, crystal banner yeah. um a black girl that's just decided that she wanted to create her own tarot deck she's a graphic designer as oh, well sick. and th these cards are incredible like she makes cultural references like the three 
um, the fourth card of the deck, which is also number three, is the Empress. And she's done it as Beyonce. And when oh, Beyonce nice. was pregnant, yeah. when she performed and she had on all the oh, gold. Wow. And usually that Empress card just speaks about fertility. And usually for a lot of people, about to, um, they're about to birth something creatively mm. or literally give birth or they might be pregnant soon. Things like that. So, and then the Emperor card is Jay-Z. The full oh, card wow. is Kanye, which I think is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she, she puts in lots of references but the great thing about this card is that even if you've never looked at the traditional tarot deck yeah. you understand yeah. yeah you understand what it's meant to be because she uses things you'll get so hold on to it tight so before I I'm going to flick through them all after mm -hmm. but before I do that hold on to them tight yeah and um, hold on to them and just think about what you would want guidance for or what you would like to talk about okay Okay, and yeah. then just shuffle them. If you want to shuffle them, if you no, don't, it's up I, to you. I, I feel like there's trust in the cards. Okay, so, so pick out three. Three. Yeah, when you're ready, pick okay, out three I'm and gonna... you can just paste them on the sofa. Face down. Um, face down, yeah. One. Yep. Okay, there. Two. Yep. And three. Three, perfect. Um, this is great. It's like the first <laughs> activity I've done on the podcast. Okay, and what were you thinking about? I'll have to say, mm -hmm. oh, you didn't say that. You can say, you can say it in that no, abstract. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, just, um, I've got a lot of good plans for next year, basically, in terms of like the podcast and the kind of business that I'm trying to build. Mm -hmm. So it's just, I guess, guidance and um, just a, a clear path of like how it's going to kind of... How's it all going to go? Yeah, go and feel and just kind of, you know, I'm obviously open up to everything, but yeah, that was a kind of general feel. Okay, so... Nice. All right. So the first card that, because I always read it from your perspective. They're all coins as well. Yeah. Because it's all about career. So like you said. Wow. So I'm going to read it from your perspective. So the okay. first card that I turned over was the 10 of coins in reverse, which um, to me says that you have all of the things that you desire and you have all of the things in you to do what you want to do but you don't quite see it that way. You're looking at it in reverse. You have this kind of energy of abundance but it's turned upside down like the ten of coins is the highest of you know of all the coins yeah. when, before we move into like the night and all of that so you've got the ten of coins we see a mansion here we see a lavish life we see that the things that you want are possible and it's the energy that surrounds you but you don't actually see it that way you don't mm. see it that that's what surrounds you and then the eight of coins the reason that you don't see it that's that that's the energy around you the eight of coins also came up in reverse the reason you don't see it um, is that that's what's possible for you is because you beat yourself up a lot that you're not working hard enough but you are working hard enough you keep like the eight of coins is about what like actually doing mm. the work but you are doing so so much work already but you are the one that believes so this is a this feels a lot like it's perception that I don't have it yet I'm probably not going to get it I need to work harder I'm not working hard enough mm. how do I but you can't work with that energy because if everything comes the right way up you are going to achieve that you've got all of the things that you need to achieve that you are working hard enough you're literally doing everything that's required of you and the one that did come up upright is that because you know this now you need to look out for when literally the universe is offering you a new opportunity that's going to take you further and it's not going to be in a conventional sense or maybe the opportunities already come but it doesn't look like what you're used to but yeah. it's literally a gift from the universe. It's literally a gift from God that will help you to turn all of this the right way up. But you can miss it or you might not use it the way that you need to if you go into that 
um, space or take on that opportunity, believing that you need to work harder than you're already working. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I feel like you just spoke to my soul. Literally. <laughs> Literally feel like you just spoke to my soul. That's so mad. And that's without you knowing anything or much about mm-hmm. me, really. That is mad. What's the card that's at the bottom of the deck? I like to always look at the card that's at the bottom. Uh, six of coins. Right. In so, reverse. In reverse. As I look at it. So as you as you look at it, it's in reverse. So six of coins is about charity and it's about giving. And so for me, if it's in reverse for you, it's almost saying that in your hard work and the things that you're doing, um, again, coins, everything that came up for you was really strong earth energy. Um, there's an imbalance in how you're giving. So even if it's the case of like helping other people mm. or in relationships with people, you're definitely giving more than you're getting. And it might even be in the workplace in a traditional sense, like where you work, you're giving them more than they are giving you. Mm. And so it's probably best to keep looking out for this opportunity that moves you out of that space and, and takes you towards your 10 of coins and your eight of coins the right way up. Because sometimes as well, we're impacted by the way that our immediate environment, how they interact with us. So if they are, always kind of insinuating that you could do more and you feel like I'm not doing enough Mm, mm. but you are so it's about figuring out that balance and not letting people or things or energies make you feel like you're not giving enough because you've given more than enough Mm, that's mad because that eight of coins about the um not for not feeling like I'm doing enough Mm -hmm. but doing loads like if you could see my room (laughs) there's like whiteboards with like plans there's mm. a notepad down here with like all sorts of notes and to-do mm-hmm. lists like my laptop's full of like stuff mm. um just re- well as of as of this going out as of as of recording mm-hmm. just finished writing an ebook which wow. is going out in january so as of people listening to this it will be out yeah um so yeah just like constantly doing stuff yeah. always feeling like i can be doing more yeah so so mad and it's like you're doing enough and it's interesting you've got notebook notebook so you're meticulous Mm. in how you go about doing things like you really do things and you pay attention to detail so you don't want to get sucked into that like oh i'm not doing enough because the cars are like no you are and you're going to get all of your Mm. things just know that you're doing just fine and balance out and the six of coins being at the bottom of the deck in reverse telling you to just balance it out so Mm. people don't keep getting because I think sometimes when we think we're not doing enough we then do extra and then people are enjoying our extra yeah yeah yeah. and not giving us anything back for it yeah yeah nice sweet I'm gonna hold up these to the camera like some sort of magician (laughs) because I want to like somehow Mm. use it wow so I don't know where to go from there Thank you. That was my pleasure. Uh, I'm going to check out the rest of these cards after, but that mm-hmm. was amazing. I like I like the design already. Right, I'm not the design's sick. So like good. she's done really, really well. Yeah. So do you do this? Um, I know you said you were doing it on your radio show earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do this as um, a practice for other people, or do you just? do it for yourself like you said you pour a card a day or I do it for friends and family like I don't do it like I've got a really cool friend Leona Nicole Black she's incredible she um, is doing her PhD at the moment and she is looking at blackness and at blackness's theory and using the esoteric to inform it like with tarot and things like that and she does it as a career and um, oh, wow. and I think that that's great so whenever people ask I usually refer them to her but I read for like my mum my brothers my close friends and when I meet people who are like I've never had reading I'm like yeah sure um because I see myself as sort of like 
um, someone to introduce people to it. And then when they want to really get into it and really look at the things that they need to look at in terms of horoscopes as well, because mm. tarot's great when you also know horoscopes in depth, which Leona does. So she can really tap into a lot of stuff. So yeah, I practice by reading as much as possible for myself and other people. Yeah. Oh, wow, sick. Well, mm. I appreciate that. Pleasure. Wicked. Um, <laughs> so onto horoscopes then. <laughs> Segwaying sweetly into horoscopes. Mm. What's your kind of, because again, I've been finding out loads about horoscopes mm -hmm. recently. So I always just thought, your horoscope's your horoscope. Mm -hmm. But I've recently discovered rising signs, yeah. your moon sign, mm -hmm. your this sign, your that sign. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, blow me away yeah so you said you're a libra mm -hmm. but you feel more scorpio yeah what's your rising and moon signs oh so it, so rising and moon <laughs> sign for anyone who doesn't really mm -hmm. know what i'm talking about um this is one of the geeky things that i get into and start <laughs> reading about. so basically your rising sign and your in your moon sign are based obviously around your zodiac sign mm -hmm. on your time of birth and mm -hmm. place of birth so it's also the alignment of the stars and the moons yeah, and the universe and, stuff, yeah. and the planets and everything um so your rising sign is kind of the you can correct me if i'm wrong because mm. i probably am um is the, the 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 side of yourself that you show other people yes, how you appear in the world on the outside how you appear to people mm. and your moon sign is what you're actually like on the inside mm -hmm. um so what, what's your rising and moon signs? So my rising sign is Aries. So that's my ascendant sign is Aries. So that's how I show up in the world, which is always, people are always surprised when I'm like, I'm a Libra. Libra is my sun sign. They're like, no, you are not. You are so aggressive. So that's my rising sign, Aries. And Aries is actually the opposite sign to mm. Libra. So that just is super interesting for me that my sun sign is the exact opposite of my rising sign. So I'm appearing literally the opposite of what my sun sign is. Um, and my moon sign is Scorpio. But the interesting thing about my natal chart, um, so that's when you like put in your time of birth mm. and location and all of that stuff, is that all of my important, like my important planets are in Scorpio. So my moon is in Scorpio. My Venus is in Scorpio. Mm. Like, so even how I communicate, I communicate from a very like Scorpio type energy. And I would always wonder whenever I'd look at horoscopes and be like, I feel like, well, I just like this one more. And, and it's the best sign. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because I am, it is the best sign. So um, I just thought that that was interesting that all these years I've been like, but I prefer Scorpio's horoscope more for this month. Mm. And realizing that actually it's because when we look at my chart, the things that impact me the most are all placed in Scorpio. Really? So it's always important to know that as well because I don't feel like I behave much like an air sign at all. I'm actually very much a water sign. What's the traits of like a water sign versus an air sign? Now? A water sign operates from a place of emotion a lot of the time, whereas um, air signs are very like logic and mm. intellect based, like everything's up here. Mm. And and whereas a water sign's like, oh, I don't want to do it, I just yeah. don't feel like it. Um, And I've always felt like, hmm, Although when I pull my card and the representing uh, the card that represents me is, um, most times the Queen of Swords, which is an air sign um, energy, it's because the cards sometimes work as you've learned them. So I know that that and I know that my behavior is similar to the Queen of Swords. So that's the card that will come out to represent me. And then I go from there. Um, but yeah, otherwise, when I'm doing my readings, I get lots of cups, lots of water energy mm. coming through. Wow. 
That's it. Can I, um, so, <laughs> this is really funny. <laughs> so I did some Momo that I was talking mm. about earlier. She was like, right, you need to find out your rising sign and mm. your moon sign. Like, what is it? So I'm like, okay, cool. So I've, I've done, I've done it before ages ago, but mm-hmm. I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. So I had to text my mum, mum, what time was I born? <laughs> <laughs> um, she was like, why? I was like, explain to you later. It's <laughs> far too much for WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I obviously knew where I was born mm. and like specifically like what part of London. Mm. Um, so I put it all in mm. and it's come out, obviously Zodiac sign, Scorpio, mm. Ascendant, Scorpio, moon sign, Scorpio. Perfect. Triple threat, Scorpio. <laughs> and then also the next, what's the next one? Like Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Mercury with Scorpio. So wow. it's like four, like. So that's a strong Scorpio energy. Yeah. But what, did you check what your Venus was? I can't remember off the top of my head. No. It'll be interesting to see your Venus because if all of this is so that's strong right. Scorpio and then you, Venus, which is how like you love, it'll be interesting to see what that mm. is because. Check my app. <laughs> if i know if i remember how to get there but then then all of your cards were earth mm. earth energy yeah that's I that's interesting that yeah. being such a strong water sign you've got lots of earth yeah energy coming through as well yeah yeah so this so I, hopefully if you're listening you can see why it's so fascinating <laughs> i find just find it so madly fat so i might actually buy myself a book for christmas which is like the beginner's guide of horoscopes. Yeah, horoscopes are really and interesting. And are you follow like the people that I follow that really help me with horoscopes and stuff? Um, real, really, really cool astrologers are Jessica Lanyadu. Mm. She's very good. Really. Um, and really, really on point. She explains it really well. And there's this guy I've forgotten his name, but I'll send it to you as well. Um, that's what he has studied all of these years. He's oh, really? an astrologist, and he's amazing at explaining Mm. some things because he talks about how um sometimes we get scared of like mercury being in retrograde and everyone saying oh everything's going to be terrible and he says that's not you shouldn't fear it it's just the time for you to go back and fix the things that you haven't fixed so when mercury went into retrograde um just you know recently um it went into retrograde in scorpio so Mm. whatever happened in that scorpio energy that's still unfinished it's like we're all going to be pulled back to the, that specific time this year to go and work on it. So whatever was happening between like, you know, the end of October into yeah. November that we didn't sort out comes right back round. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've got loads of learning to do. <laughs> it's, it's just like, but it's, it's endless. It's yeah. fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's mad. Cause like I, I literally did not plan for this conversation to go this way. At all. <laughs> like not one bit. It's not one of the notes I took had anything about uh, horoscopes mm. or, whatever um but we're gonna move on next and to mm-hmm. crystals yes. so crystals i literally know zero about mm-hmm. um i noticed that you did have a nice shiny like yeah. what type of crystals that one this on is your a ne- clear quartz and that does what the reason i like wearing clear quartz is because it just brings peace it's just it's just peaceful it's just no. a peaceful and when i um i've got different types of jewelry that have different crystals usually what's interesting though is that when i'm going to do like a podcast or like i'm going to meet someone that i haven't spent much time with i actually wear black obsidian mm. um which is very strong and like really yeah. potent and that's about warding off negative energy oh, really yeah and um protecting yourself it's a protecting crystal mm. um but today I was like, no, I'm going to wear my clear crystal and yeah. um, wear my clear quartz. I'll be fine. And I'm really glad I did. I think that it's a, it's really cool that um, I chose, chose this one. But it's interesting what you're drawn to. So if I'm going to do like a, a um, you know, like an official radio show or like an official TV appearance, I've always got black obsidian on because mm-hmm. you just never know what's going to happen. And it just helps to ground me and kind of keep me from like absorbing that energy and not being able to make my points Mm. 
So, yeah. But amethyst is also a good one when I'm having like really obsessive thoughts um, about things and like super worrying because it's good for addictions, um, yeah, amethyst. Yeah, yeah. So I usually have a piece of like amethyst on me to kind of stop me from like fretting and mm. being really, really like addicted to these like those kind of thoughts rose quartz is incredible and it's loving but lots of people represent uh, like recommend rose quartz for things for me it's just i think with all the things that i work through in my life personally it's not quite strong enough for me i kind of would use that after i've used other crystals okay yeah it's like a finisher yeah just like yeah. Mm, cherry like on top yeah yeah yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That's it. so what made you get into all of this kind of how did you kind of start discovering or become interested in it all? Yeah. Um, it's int- it's weird because I think I've always been interested in it. Like growing up in a Nigerian household, going to church because you're told to go to church and then seeing like my mum who's just like, I don't care about church that much. And we'd only go once in a while. And then she met her partner and like she's now like a church person every Sunday, but mm. it's not, um, it's a white garment church um as opposed to like the traditional denominations um and that's interesting i found that interesting the way that they mix like traditional yoruba beliefs into christianity so it works for them mm. and i just think that the more that i grew in my understanding and um, learning and unlearning of uh, co- the colonization of nigeria and things like that it just made it very very hard for me cognitively to be like Christianity, woohoo, because I just saw how it impacted and refracted the, just the tapestry and the makeup of Nigeria and therefore the Nigerians and, and I think just like black people generally, that it just didn't sit as well with me. I know that we had, you know, Christianity like in Ethiopia, so it's not necessarily something that was brought to to us, but the kind of um, Christianity that we were sold in order for the transatlantic slave trade to be a thing just wasn't... Mm. Um, working with me and I just thought how do we go about finding more empowerment and I'm really really interested in the Orishas when the um, enslaved Africans were taken to Brazil they took those religions with them I know that it lives really really strongly there it also lives really strongly in like certain places in Atlanta and this is like centuries later that Mm. it managed to survive that much and I just thought to myself breaking it down from the anthropological perspective, how does a religion or a faith survive that long? How? And I think it's because of the power that it gives people. And I don't think we get that power, controversially speaking, get that power in the kind of Christianity that we're sold. Mm. Um, and so I I started learning a lot more about the Babalawas and the different Orishas. And I just think that that instantly, the structures of that made more sense to me that we have... Um, an overarching creative energy that created all of us. And then in that creative energy, there were also deities that were created for specific things. And those deities are the ones that you would petition in order for specific aspects of your life. Um, But they all still answer to this one creative force. And yeah, everything just felt better understanding that. I felt like I could see myself more in Yoruba spirituality, like Shango is the God of war. And when um, I was doing all this research and someone said to me that, yeah, that would be your, that would be like your energy father. Mm. And I thought, see, that makes sense. Of course it's Shango, the God of war. And even when I look at um, my natal chart with Leona and I looked at where my placements are, I'm ruled by Mars. Mars is Shango as well. Oh, wow. So 
I'm I'm literally a daughter of war. And yeah. so when I would get frustrated about why are all these people coming to troll me? I just said what I feel about this situation and <laughs> I need to speak up about this thing that's happening in society. And I just wondered where that pull was coming from that I feel like that I feel so strongly to speak about things. And once I started to understand more about these deities, suddenly I wasn't fighting anymore. Suddenly I was okay with the fact that maybe part of my existence and my time on this earth is spent in conflict because through conflicts, we have to move up naturally mm, as people. That's true. Yeah. That's sick. So do you, in terms of like religion then, mm. do you practice anything at all? Or are you just like, no, just look into it and you kind of take what I like? Yeah. yeah. I just take what I like from different things. So um, I think my reference points, if I was talking, I would still use like Christianity, like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, re um, referencing Jesus and things like that. But it's mixed with so many things. Mm. Um, I just think it's interesting also how patriarchal it is a lot of the time as well. And how people find tarot to be um, ungodly and like, you shouldn't be doing this thing. It's um, a cult. You shouldn't be mm -hmm. doing this thing. But I see people going to church and then like the pastor speaking in tongues and he's like convulsing and jumping about the place. And they are like, they are enthralled by that. And yeah. they're like, wow, he's getting the spirit. But why does the spirit only have to come through him? Have you sat down to question why there has to be a third party involved in your relationship with creation? It just seems rather odd. Yeah. I, I find like, so the, the big differences I find, mm. like I've again, growing up in a kind of Christian household, mm -hmm. like Italian family. Mm. So, you know, very much Roman Catholics. Mm. Um, but again, it never kind of vibed with me. Mm. I just never really f liked it, got mm -hmm. it, whatever way you want to look at it. And I've always found that for me, <laughs> mm -hmm. the the thing with, you know, you were saying like people look at tarot cards and they say it's a cult or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I've been in ch church, for example, and I'm probably going to get a big fashion for this, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> Um, I just feel like it is a massive cult in itself because right. like, the, even like the practices that they do where like mm. the priest will say something then everyone will reply in sync with each other mm -hmm. in almost in song mm -hmm. like the, a, a phrase back that's very like it's very culty mm -hmm. if, you t if you like take a you know zoomed out look at it and what yeah. they're doing you know a man in like a white mm -hmm. <laughs> what's it called I was going to say an apron <laughs> a robe robe <laughs> yeah. that's the one not an yeah. apron white robe on a, mm. you know with all these kind of signs behind him and mm. then people chanting back at him and singing in ch it's just like very weird yeah and it's interesting that you make that comparison because i even look at it in terms of when we go out for communion and like we drink mm. the blood of christ and eat the body of christ okay so we're doing cannibalism that's wonderful yeah. um but, you know it's it's just how yeah. there are certain things that we've accepted and we don't see that they are present in other religions mm. as well um, and other beliefs as well. And I think that that's ultimately what I'm doing, just trying to understand as much as possible. And people swore to me up and down that they're not interested in tarot and they don't care. But I would get messages like so many emails week after week while my podcast was on. And people would say, thank you so much for that reading this week. Like I'm Muslim and I'm not officially meant to be interested in oh, this really? stuff, but it's helped me so, so much. Thank you. Yeah. Same with a lot of Christian women, a lot of um, specifically Catholic women who say, I know that I've been taught not to like this thing, but I can't explain to you how it's helped me through very, very difficult times, just knowing that you're going to do it every week. Mm. And I think that that's the beauty of tarot in that in those 78 cards, it speaks about the human condition. At one point in our life, we find ourselves... Um, kind of emitting the energy of each card 
And that's why we understand it so well. And literally anyone can read tarot because we understand the energies because we understand how it is to be a human. And also I find that like, you know, with horoscopes, tarot, you know, just that kind of world in general, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's very much more personal to mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. again like I've pulled these cards mm-hmm. which have said something very personal to me mm-hmm. you or Anton who's here would yeah. have pulled three completely different cards, cards right yeah. so it all becomes very personal and your horoscope is very much about you know when you start looking into your ascendant sign and your mm-hmm. uh, moon sign and all that so it's all very personal to you mm-hmm. so it feels a lot more like it speaks to you rather than you're buying into something yeah as you know it is with you know other things with other things and I agree and I think that I I'm a, I um, am a firm believer in the fact that we are all spiritual beings. We're all literally spirits having a human experience. And so if that's the case, we chose to come here for a specific task. If you believe in that, I believe that we came here for a specific task. When we were in spirit form, we chose that task mm. and we chose how it was pretty much going to go. Um, but then when you enter into the physical body, you forget. But the thing is, when you were in spirit form, you had you had like a team so it's like you're the project manager there's a whole team that signed up to do this project with you they remain in spirit form you enter into the physical realm so they still remember the task because they don't have to enter into a human like meat sack but you don't Mm. so their whole job is to remind you of what you're here to do because we have to have that memory refracted in order for us to be able to actually survive in this plane. We wouldn't be able to survive otherwise. So we enter here, we don't remember. And that's what the gut feeling is. That's what synchronicity is when you keep seeing one, 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 two, two, mm. two, or you keep seeing a specific number because they're literally trying to be like, oh, hey, boo, come on, yeah, get back on task. Yeah. And when you stray so far, I think you can only stray so far because you have to, you'll get nudged back to where you need to be. So that's why I don't necessarily take rejections personally I used to when I didn't understand any of this stuff but I don't take rejections personally because really they're just diversions back to where you need to be um otherwise if I just look at my life and all of the things that I wanted in the past and I think well if I'd gotten those things I wouldn't be here Mm, so those things needed to happen in order for me to find tarot and find all of these things and find a better understanding of things and the reason I say that is because your natal chart, the time that you were born, the exact placement of the planets and the stars when you were born and all of those things are your one true reminder. Like they're the blueprint of why you're here. So it's not by chance that you were born at like, I don't know, 2.32 a.m. on a Friday. That's not by chance. It happened that way because the placements of the stars and everything was to remind you of like, this is what you need to do. Yeah. Yes. Is this so deep when you Mm -hmm. start looking into it, isn't it? It's so like... Mm. I just know it just it fascinates me so much so much it. yeah um so talking of spirit guides mm-hmm. you made me remember something I wasn't mm-hmm. gonna ask this but mm-hmm. I am now because mm-hmm. it just come to mind what's your spirit animal um I am I'm a snake okay I'm a snake and um snake or a phoenix but the snake energy is strong because it's a lot of shedding yeah it's a lot of shedding and and being close to the earth and feeling the vibrations that you don't otherwise want to feel um and 
when I was speaking with Leona, when we're having this conversation, she says, until you get over like your disdain for snakes. And I'm like, they're horrible things. Mm-hmm. She's like, but why are they horrible? Who told, you, who told you that they're horrible? Like, well, society told me that they're horrible. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> Everyone says they're horrible. She said, but look at what they're doing. They're just living their lives. They're just literally living their lives. Um, and it's about tapping into that energy of shedding and coming back anew. And mm. it isn't always comfortable, but you need to do it in order for you to go to that next stage of who you are and to be able to survive the terrain that you found yourself. Um, and I have to remind myself of that snake energy often because, you know, snakes get a bad rap. Like, oh my God, they're so snake deceitful. In the grass. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they have to survive that. But they cleared a path for other things. Mm-hmm. That's another important thing to remember. I had this conversation with someone yesterday um, about you know snakes will the mm. snake in the grass mm-hmm. is the example but they clear that pathway yeah for other things to come through and follow right them. and even like when the people mention the bible and like, yeah but the snake offered eve an apple i said listen to that word offered yeah nobody begged you to take it yeah you took it and also the snake offered that and said well this is your path to enlightenment this is your way of knowing things and i always wonder about that particular chapter of the bible like why wasn't i meant to have knowledge why Mm. why would i want to live in um blissful ignorance yeah there's the blissful part but why would i not want to know Mm. um and why would i just want to walk around like naked and Mm. just not know anything um so for me also the snake signifies um free will and knowledge but most especially it's the shedding, it's the shedding aspects. And that's been one of my biggest challenges in life that when I know that everything around me in my life is telling me that I need to get ready because I need to change and move to a new stage of my mm. life, I become like a petulant child mm-hmm. and I'm so grumpy and so annoyed by the whole thing because and so I don't want to change. I was perfectly comfortable being here. Mm. And what are some of the signs that you'll, you'll start to notice when that time comes of like, you know, time for change or to mm. go on to the next thing are there certain you know you know we're talking about the classics mm-hmm. earlier, like one 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 and two 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 and all the other things are there certain things that you have that pop up every time or is it um case by case yeah it can it can change in ca- like depending on the scenario but the main thing is that it's a gut feeling like I start feeling restless like something that I was loving 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 and all of a sudden I feel restless and mm. I'm like oh I've got to go but I don't want to go. Mm. And um, when I got the first um, studio in Clapton, I remember the day that I signed the agreement, I, I don't know where it came from in my head. It was like, I'm only staying here for a year. Like I always wanted to shout at myself. Like, what do you mean you're only staying here for a year? We just got this place. But I knew I was like, I'm only staying here for a year. And midway through the contract, so many things started to happen. Like the, the guys who run the building were horrendous and, so many things just told me I'm not going to be able to survive mm. in this space and I know I need to move on. So I started looking at other spaces and then I got the space in Peckham. So I always feel that feeling of restlessness first that kind of prompts me to know that start paying attention because you're going to have to like move on soon. And then things just start happening that antagonize me to the extent that I know I need to move. Otherwise I wouldn't, mm. I would, I'll just stay. Yeah. You stagnate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important, isn't it? To see those signs. I mean, it's, I think it's important to see them, but I think it's also massively important to recog- like recognize them and um, execute on on mm-hmm. what they're telling you, right? Yeah. Because if you don't, like, you, you stay and you stagnate and mm-hmm. that's when life doesn't seem as fluid anymore. Yeah. Um, but can you tell me a bit about young Kelechi? Because you grew up, <laughs> you were born in Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. 
and moved to London at a young age. Like it? when I was five. Yeah. Mm. So what was life like as young Kalichi? Um, It wasn't nice. It was not nice. I mean, I can't even say being in Nigeria was particularly great. But my mum came to London while I was in Nigeria because she wanted to come and study over here. So I was there and I was staying with her her brother, my uncle and his family. So from the little I think I can remember, it was all right Mm. in the way that Nigeria is. I remember lots of tastes and sounds because I love eating. Mm. Um, But then when I came over here, I was coming to meet a whole different family dynamic because my mum had already um, got a new partner and she was pregnant with my brother, my immediate younger brother. So I was coming in to meet a whole new family unit. So for me, I it kind of reinforced that I was an outsider when I was living in Nigeria. Even at that young age, I felt like an outsider because my mum wasn't there. My mm. grandma was there, but I still very much felt like an outsider. And then I came to England and moved into this place with my mum in Peckham. And they already had a new family unit. So again, outsider, went to school. I had an accent. So all of these, you know, children were like, oh, you speak funny. Mm. So again, outsider. So I started to kind of get used. I started to get used to the idea of being on the outside. So I never really like stressed about making friends so much. I just stressed about making an impact. I always wanted to just be good at stuff. Um, And I don't think those things are separate. I think that when you are you find yourself on the outside. You want to make the most of being there and Mm. be like, well, people are going to notice me when I have all of these things. Um, So I always focused on working um, a lot and being like in the school plays, getting the leads in the school plays and being really great at like sports. So I did 200 meter sprint and football and that. So always focused on like excelling at those things. Um, Is that because maybe do you think they're the obvious things to, to be like, look, I'm really good at, Mm -hmm. you can show someone or you can prove that you're really good at football or 200 meters because you win the races and you get medals and acting, you you become the lead. Whereas like academically, it's less hard other than obviously Mm -hmm. exam results Mm -hmm. and stuff, but that's more like um, overt, like Mm -hmm. not look at me, look at me, but like I'm good at this thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, even in the academic sense, like I would not settle for being in any class lower than the top set. So again, it was that idea like, no, I need to be top, top, top at everything. Like I need to be here. And I think I was doing the gifted and talented program. Mm. They used to have that when I was younger. So they'd select like a few girls or a few people from each school in the borough. And they get to like go to places and meet um, like lots of influential people as part of programs and stuff. Um, But yeah, then in the mix of all of that, there was like the sexual abuse that I had when I was younger because I was staying with um, a childminder because my mum had to work. So she put me with the childminder and then I never spoke about it to her or anyone really until I was about 16. So I think that- what age was it that it was occurring? So it's a long time. Yeah, from seven to, from seven to like maybe nine, Mm. but it really kind of distorted my sense of self. But I'd, it only distorted my sense. I guess it distorted my sense of self and it meant that interpersonally in friendships and things, I didn't really want to be friends with people. Mm. So in all of my report cards, it'll be like, Colette, she's really, really good at her studies and she's great at this and great at that, but she's rather moody and she doesn't, mm. she gets annoyed quite a lot and she doesn't want to talk to people and she's very irritable. So looking back on those things, obviously I understand why and I wouldn't expect them to. 
Um, but I think that what happened there really for me was more of an objectification of self. So because that happened, I was very focused on being the best, like being really, really good at things because my thinking was, well, if I'm great at everything, then nobody can touch me or hurt me mm. again. But you're just working from a wounded space. And um, when I finally told my mum about it when I was like 16, it was just sad because really what I heard in what she said back was pretty much like, well, this is what happens to girls, you know, really? you just... Wow. What can we do in this society? This is just, mm. do you think that all of us here haven't had like uncles try to touch us inappropriately? And I was thinking, fam, that, that's not something that we should have as mm. like a norm, like something needs to change. So I would think to myself that at that age of 16, even though it wasn't apparent to me yet, that's when my sense of like advocacy was more um, kind of, emboldened because I just thought someone needs to speak out yeah. and I'm not going to settle for a child in the future to be like oh well that's just the way it is because it doesn't have to be no, that way of course it's mm. like no one should be mm -hmm. you know should have yeah. to go through anything like that and it's yeah. just and again maybe you know I don't know from kind of a, a parent's point of view you know they grew up in completely different times and mm. not saying stuff is right you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm, at all mm -hmm. but you can kind of understand in a way mm -hmm. how they might have that mindset of like, well, you know, it's just a thing. Yeah. It's like they kind of brush it aside. And I think that's what made in a way their generation so great mm. is that they could really just brush stuff aside and mm. had that real kind of tough interior and exterior. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. generation, generationally us, you mm. know, we're open to a lot more mm -hmm. things through the internet and social media and et cetera. Yeah. So we're a lot more, I guess, uh, uh, more empathetic to, yeah. to things and situations and, yeah, it's just... It's, no, I agree. I think they, horrible, ha you know? they had to do what they needed to do to survive. Yeah, it was a survival um, thing completely. But they, they did all of that to survive. And I think in order for us to live, so I think that it would be a mm. disrespect for me um, to see that they'd done all of those things to survive. And then I go into survival mode as well. Mm. And I'd only ever been in survival mode. So from, the, from a, arriving in this country... Um, for very, very, like well into my 20s, I spent that just simply in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you're not living, um, you're disconnected mm. from self because you're not even tapping into that empathy. You're not tapping mm. into any of and that. Is that because of that background yeah. of sexual abuse? Yeah, because you have to disassociate, like you have to disconnect from self. Otherwise, I think what you're doing is then feeling the very real pain of what happened and that loneliness and everything else. So... Um, yeah, it was just a lonely time. It was lonely and it was miserable and it was just horrible. I don't, and I didn't, I wasn't my best self then. I was achieving things, but I wasn't my best self. So I think it was just like after uni, uh, when I finished university in like 2008, that I thought to myself, wow, it's just really um, not nice to exist inside my body, inside my head. It's not a nice space. Mm. And so I, that's when I started looking into therapy and things like that. So because you only have your body and you only have this one body. Imagine just living in it for the entirety of your life and you're miserable. Mm. And I knew one day just sitting on the bus, I was just like, I don't want to do this. It just feels so unhappy in here. And so I started looking into therapy and I didn't start until like a couple of years later. Um, but when I finally did, like my growth was exponential. Mm but I needed to start somewhere. And I think in doing that, I could also see all the other people who were hurting. And I think that makes a big difference when you can suddenly see those who are hurting around you rather than just being focused on your hurt. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean, exactly. Mm. And how do you feel then when you see that with other people? Do you want to like, 
help them or advise them or are you like mm. you've kind of got your own stuff to deal with you have to discover it for yourself what's your what kind of role do you tend to take I think it differs on a case-to-case basis but I think ultimately I sh- I try to not get involved or try to fix or help in um, in a major way because I know that that's actually just part of my coping mechanism. I go out to go and fix other people mm. and things as a way to distract from actually just working and fixing myself or healing myself. So when I see those situations, I'll suggest things, but ultimately I try to keep myself out of it because you can't be somebody else's healing. You can't, no matter how much you want to be, because ultimately you want to almost compensate and make up for all the hurt that you've suffered. But it's not, it's not how it works. Mm. It's not like people find their path in their time. And I'm always ready to like advise and be like, oh, you can go and see this person or you can try this thing. And I think that's why I took to um, tarot so much because you've got church telling you that you're inherently a sinner. And then you've got um, the effects of being sexually abused as a child where you inherently feel worthless and not of value and dirty and things like that. So all of these things throughout my life, and then you've got society telling you that as a woman, you either exist within the virgin or whore dichotomy, which is Mm. false. So you've got all of these things pretty much telling you that you're less. And then you discover this thing in terms of tarot or spirituality that actually says, no, you're fine as you are. Mm. You're great as you are. You just need to remind yourself that you're great as you are. And that's the journey. That's the challenge. And you said something great earlier, which I always try to get this message across is Mm. like your past and whatever experiences you had don't Mm. define you. No, They shape you and help you become who you are. Mm -hmm. And like without them, no matter how great or how horrible or, Mm. you know, how mediocre, Mm -hmm. like, they have shaped you to who you are today. And then from here on, it's your responsibility to kind of discover the best version of yourself. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, you you hit that massively on the head earlier. Yeah. Um, So from the kind of, um, from being such a young kid and then speaking to your mum about the abuse at 16, did you say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do you think it took you such a big period of time to kind of open up about that? I think because um, I'd gotten used to not speaking, not to the extremes of Maya Angelou. Like Maya Angelou just stopped speaking after after mm. her sexual abuse. She just didn't talk for years, I think. Mm. Um, it wasn't like that. I was still speaking, but um, not the words that needed to come out. And I think that you can swallow your words and swallow your words and swallow your words for so long. Some people swallow their words for pretty much their entire mm. life. Now you've got a choice that like, you're either going to choke on it or you're going to have to cough it up. And so I, I'd always felt that at some point I needed to say something. And I remember when I was probably like 11 or 12, I remember walking into my mum's bedroom and getting ready to tell her. And I think she was asleep at the time. And then it kind of freaked her out that I was standing in the doorway. (laughs) And so she was like, what do you want? And I just went, oh, nothing. And then I left. So even at that point, I wanted to say something, but something as little as what do you want? Like made me change my mind. Almost like an excuse Mm -hmm. to like not not do it. Um, but I think that doing it at 16 was just when I needed to do it. I think that's when I started to have more of a cognitive understanding that, okay, it's not my fault. Okay. I can speak about these things and, and go from there. Mm, well, full credit to you because, you know, you've become an amazing woman Thank you. from it. So it's, it's amazing that, you know, to have the courage and I can only imagine, mm. you know, the courage that it needs to kind of really speak out to particularly, you know, your mum, who's mm-hmm. someone who, you know is cared for you raised you and it must be very very hard and you know I think even if it's 
not you know exactly the same situations but like mm. you know struggling with mental health or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know anxiety or you're feeling stressed about exams or mm-hmm. whatever it may be it's it's so powerful to just pull some to pull, speak yeah pull yeah. someone aside and say i'm going through this mm. because i feel like a lot of the time we put in our own minds we put this burden of like oh if i tell someone it's gonna burden them now. yeah 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 and a lot of the time you find it doesn't someone will no. actually go oh do you know what i've been feeling similar way, yeah. or i've had this thing or and you, you you actually find a really deep connection between definitely you through having those conversations speaking helps speaking definitely definitely helps and i do think sometimes though that sometimes you tell people and you shouldn't be too um you shouldn't have such high expectations of what you think that they're going to do when you tell them like i thought that i would tell my mum and she would hug me and she'd be like oh i understand and it was very anticlimactic it was mm. just like nothing it was just like in fact I took on another burden by realizing that, wow, you didn't, you you went through something similar and you probably mm. haven't even processed it. Yeah. It's just there. Um, so there was something that I learned in that. But what I think I gained most in that moment was the um, the idea that I am responsible for my own healing. I expected to tell her and somehow she would fix it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and things would go away. But actually in that moment, I was just reminded again by the universe that no, you can tell people and they can be there for you, but your responsibility to heal is still your own. Mm. And that's just it. Mm. So what's your your experience with the therapy off the back of that being like? Because I I can't remember how many years ago, maybe five, six years ago, mm-hmm. maybe more, um, went through a kind of, um, I've had this conversation earlier about mm have to call it a breakdown or a breakthrough but mm. either way a breakdown mm. um and at the time the girlfriend I was with who experienced it uh her mum was a therapist and recommended me to someone else so mm. I went to four or five therapy sessions with mm-hmm. this lady who I just didn't it just didn't I just didn't get on with it mm. at all um and but I've always said I think everyone should have therapy mm-hmm, because I think mm-hmm. it's very good to have an open place where you can talk about things and learn about yourself yeah. and etc etc mm. But for me, it just didn't, whether it was the therapist or was, yeah. I just wasn't ready for it yet. Or there was there was some kind of friction in me that yeah. just, again, signaled that just said, you can't be doing this right now. Mm. So I stopped. Um, but then I did all of the stuff you were talking about, mm. learning how to heal myself and work mm. on myself and all of the kind of things that I always talk about on mm. this podcast and online and everything. Mm. Um, but for you, how's the kind of therapy process been and... How yeah. long have you been having it for? Are you still having it? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. go every week. Like, go every week. It's expensive as fuck, but I go every week. <laughs> but worth um, it, right? Um, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'd probably spend that money on trainers, to be honest. So I might as well <laughs> spend it on therapy. Um, the first therapist that I had, I did not like her. My God, it was so tedious. I had mm. like eight sessions with her, I think, or tw- yeah, eight sessions through the NHS. She was a not, I did not like this woman. And there wasn't anything specifically that she did. We just didn't get along. And it's like you said, maybe I wasn't ready for it. And I thought that I was, but then I doubt that because I shared so much or I try to share so much with her. Cause it's like, finally you're in a space. Somebody's listening to just you. You can talk. I just got nothing back yeah, yeah. and I didn't like it. And I thought, oh, I'm not going back. And our sessions ended and I was thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm not going back that that was not what I thought it would be. But I still knew that it's possible to get something great out of therapy. And actually what helped me was the moment I had um, a black female therapist, mm. everything switched up. And I'm always saying for me, like black women saved my life because the moment I got my first uh, black therapist, Sarah, 
suddenly it's like I could share. And when I was talking about certain things culturally, she understood. Yeah, I think that's massively yeah. important. Because not meaning to cut you off, mm. but the, the the woman I had was like an older mm. uh, white woman. Mm. But I just felt like I'm telling her these things about growing up with like pressures of social media. And mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. I, I just felt like she didn't get what no. she knew what I was talking yeah. about, but she didn't get it. Yeah. Like she hasn't, probably wasn't even on Facebook. Or, do you know what I mean? It's like... <laughs> yeah, and them it, ones. And that's... You know, yeah. And it sounds really stupid, but you want that connection. You want someone who, if they're there to help you mm. and help you discover, you know, about yourself and heal yourself, they need to have that understanding and empathy of yes. what you have experienced, right? So, sorry. And, no, no, no. That's exactly on. it. That's exactly it. For me, it was just like, I just want someone who gets it. And some people, and I've got lots of followers um, from the podcast who say, that for them they wanted to find someone as far removed from themselves as possible Mm. so they didn't have anything that they could relate back to self to make it easier for themselves but actually I needed to find women I because of the sexual abuse because of a tempestuous relationship with my mother where I pretty much raised my mother raised myself raised my brothers I didn't have a good relationship with women because I didn't have a good relationship Mm. with myself so I actually needed to find a woman who was Nigerian who had all of these things so in building something that was positively relational with her, then I could work on myself. Um, and if I started to feel safe with her, then I could feel safe with myself. That's mm. how I saw it. And actually it helped a great deal. And she was incredible. Um, she started teaching me vocabulary that I didn't know before in terms of wounding and trauma. Um, so that was wonderful. Then that ended, that was through the NHS as well. And then years later, because I had such a great experience with her, I knew what I wanted again. So I had um, a, um, a Caribbean woman and Cheryl, she was great, fantastic. And she was different to any other therapist I'd met because I thought therapists were meant to be like, oh yes, and very kind of like professional. Not that she wasn't professional, but just very stoic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I would be telling Cheryl something and I'd be like, and then this happened. She'd be like, what? Even I'm vexed. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I loved how animated she yeah. was and I would look forward to our sessions. But actually she did her job well because I'd look forward to our sessions even when we had to di- um, discuss difficult things. Whereas with Sarah, if I knew we had to discuss something difficult, I'd call in sick and I wouldn't show up. Yeah. Mm. But because she- um, Cheryl had that kind of behavior and that demeanor about her, I knew that even the difficult subjects, we'd be okay. And so I had those sessions and then I decided that, you know what, I didn't want to keep having to wait, go through the NHS and do all of those things because they make you jump through so many hoops and you just, you feel less, lesser than before you even get into the sessions. And because I've got the studio now, I don't have lots and lots of disposable income, but I made a vow to myself that the disposable income that I do have will go into that. So um, it's like 60 pounds an hour, but it's the best hour ever. Mm. Because now my um, therapist, Emma, she's great. And she calls me out on my bullshit a lot. So if I try to get away from talking about something, because I'm someone that's very good at theorizing things and existing um, a lot in like the cerebral part of my body and being able to tell you how things are, but I refuse to feel how things are mm. because I think that it will stop me and then I won't be able to work and I won't be able to, and I'm all about being productive. Emma works with me on, no, 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 sit with what you just said and tell me what that feels like. I'm like, oh, but I could tell you a theory. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to hear your, sh- your shitty theories. Tell me what that feels yeah. like. And wow. that's really a great thing to have. Yeah, yeah. So for, for you, so how long's that period been through like now to when you, 
started the first uh, therapy session through the NHS? Eight, eight years. Eight years. And what's like personally, what have been the kind of main benefits that you've felt? To- <laughs> the main benefits I've felt for me, it's just like, I like myself. And that is a big statement. Like I like myself. And I just look at all the years before that I didn't like myself because I felt like I was damaged. Like, what can you like about something that's damaged? And Nayira Wahid has a poem where she says, like, you see your face, you see a flaw. How, when you are the only one with this face? Mm. I'd gotten so kind of embroiled in there being so many faults that um, I just didn't like myself. And then those sessions made me realize aspects of myself that I'm like, oh, I like this. And I could look at my at pictures of myself without cringing and, and just enjoy being me, which means that I ultimately made better decisions. I think when you don't like yourself and you don't realize that you don't like yourself, you choose things to reinforce the fact that you're not worth anything. Now I make better decisions. And I think that it shows in my life because now I have things that I can be proud of, mm. you know, like in the physical realm. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. That's yes. like, and that's why I feel therapy is such an important thing and mm. it's like obviously you know it's, it can be expensive so mm. not everyone can afford it but if you have the opportunity via the nhs or mm. if you can afford it like it's so worth even just dipping your toe in and definitely and trying it mm. like i'd like to think that i'll go and try it again sometime yeah. but when the time's right when the time's again, right it has I, to feel right it has I, to feel I, right i do feel like that whole process of me was like i wasn't ready for it because mm-hmm. it was very like everything was still very raw mm. Um, in terms of like my healing it was like mm. the wound had just like bust open and it was like mm. you know everywhere and it was like I yeah. actually needed to like protect it a little bit first like stitch it up yeah. and then wait for it to um, heal and stuff like that but you um, if I remember correctly over the summer I had another kind of tragic experience mm-hmm. with a miscarriage right mm-hmm. how did that kind of affect you you know having you know gone through this process mm-hmm. of the therapy and, and like knowing yourself and mm. you know, like you said loving yourself and then you kind of suffer from something quite horrific yeah did that like knock you did it kind of Definitely. affect you and um, i remember you went kind of offline for a while because we were trying to sort this out yeah, back yeah, then and you're yeah. like I'm, I'm taking some time back because you know this has happened mm. um which again you know very mm. sorry about um but how did you kind of how a how did it affect you and b what did you do to kind of like protect yourself but then also kind of begin the healing process of that um therapy I think that's even probably when I started to see my current therapist, Emma, because I'd taken a break then. I was like, I'm fine. The world is great. Um, and then that happened. And I started to see um, Emma and I'd only finished like with Cheryl like the couple of years before. Um, therapy was the main part of getting through that. And I think that once you, because you break your leg, you know that you need to go to A&E or you know that they need to put it in a cast and do things. We know all of these things when it comes to the physical pain mm. and the hurt and the fracturing, but we don't know these things when it comes to the spiritual and the emotional and the mental health um, and, and, you know, the mental hurt. And knowing, because I'd had such great experiences with um, Sarah and Cheryl, when that happened, I was like, well, off to therapy, mm. going. And I looked up um, and I tried to find the therapist that I would like the most. And I saw Emma's face. I saw what she was qualified in. It's like, that's the one. That's who I want to go to. I like seeing pictures as well. I don't want to just go off a name. Yeah. So I saw her and I went to the session. And the first session, I just said, I'd, I've gone through a miscarriage and I hate everyone and I want to fight everyone. <laughs> and she was like, okay, that's cool. Why do you want to fight them? Yeah. <laughs> and 
just the ease with which she just took that on and she was like okay where, where do we go from here and so when I talked to her I'd use terms like failure I failed and she was like but how how mm. break that down for me and actually what we discovered in having all of that conversation is that all my life if I've if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. If I'm going to train for a race, I pretty much win. If I'm going to go for a play, I'm pretty much getting the lead. I'm used to getting the things that I've worked for. I'm not used to not getting the things, especially when there's so much hope attached to it. Like you start thinking of how everything's going to be and stuff. So apart from just the fact that it's a miscarriage and it's traumatic in itself, it's what it meant for me personally in that I didn't finish this thing and I'm not good at not finishing things mm. that's what I do and being someone who my worth is intrinsically linked to the my productivity that kind of messed with my idea of worth and value so it was great having those sessions with her um to stop that festering because it comes in and if you leave it then it kind of embeds itself into your psyche and I just really appreciated the fact that before anything could embed itself if I picked up a seed and I was like I'm going to dash that into my psyche yeah. she's like no you're not <laughs> taking that back out no yeah. you're not um and so I guess through that again having those sessions with her being able to break things down and talk about things rationally it meant that I could look at other people and share my experiences. I know that I've got a safe space and I know boundaries and I know how much I want to share and things like that. Um, it was just really, really useful. And I think that's how I got through it. I got through it with therapy, tarot and prayer. Other people just made such wild statements, even close family members that people just say things without thinking. And if I didn't have therapy, I, I think it would get to me. But having the therapy session to be able to say, my mum said this and she's like, do you believe that? No. Okay. Well, put it to the side. It's not mm. yours. Put it to the side. Yeah. It helps. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. Um, and y y you said that thing about um, just now, like protecting yourself and having those boundaries and mm. kind of like knowing where they are. Mm -hmm. Does that also come with like what we were speaking about earlier with like when you do get like a backlash online mm -hmm. about, you know, you know, cause you are quite, yeah. um, uh what's the word i'm looking for um escapes me but you're like quite open and you're quite kind of mm. um outspoken in mm. a in a kind of very um good way not mm. like you're just cussing people like, <laughs> like you, you know you, you're talking sense and mm. about things that changes you want to see within society etc mm. so when you get that, those kind of backlashes is that a, another way where you're like cool i'm gonna really all in and like I need to protect myself and that kind of thing yeah um I have to just remember remind myself of my truth and that's it like backlash is backlash like who's gonna you know I look back and I look at all these people that spoke out even about for instance the apartheid like mm. and and other people were like what do you mean Sharp, it's great <laughs> so even with the things that now we're like oh my god I can't believe that ever happened at one point, people were shouting at the people who wanted to end yeah. these things. I've forgotten the name of the lady, the first woman to run the Boston, I think, marathon. And she's running down the street. Like she just jumps in and starts running the race. And men were like beating her head. Really? Like they were oh, trying wow. to dash her off the, the the street and they were dragging her and they wow. were being so... And I just thought she just wanted to run. <laughs> like she literally just wanted to run. She's trying to, to do the same thing as yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And so even things like that, I look back on those videos and look at those videos and I think, wow, like we've come such a long mm. way, but it means that there, there's, there's going to be resistance. There's going to be backlash, but 
you have to protect your peace. You do stuff and then you go away. And being someone who's, I've been a personal trainer for a number of years, I understand from personal training that the rest is just as important as the work. So if you want to be able to get your gains, whether they're emotional, spiritual, societal or physical, rest has to be involved in that. Otherwise there's no way for that muscle or that thing to develop. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I see it in terms of speaking out about certain things. If you want to see the change, there are moments when you need to step back because otherwise you're burning yourself out, shouting and shouting and shouting. No one's really hearing you because they're used to you shouting and shouting and shouting. But if you step back to um, recenter yourself, recalibrate, they get time to process what you've said. Then you Mm. start again. I love that. I love that. Um, the rest is as important as the work. Mm. I think that's so important. Mm. I think sometimes we get so caught up in that kind of work, 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 mm-hmm, work, work, mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. and we don't, again, the rest is protecting yourself, exactly. isn't it? It's like that inner kind of child needs that hug sometimes. Yeah. It needs to be like taken care of and mm. fed and kind of nurtured. And yeah. we, we don't do that. It's all like Rushing. 100 miles an hour. And like social media sells us this whole idea of like, oh, um, hustle 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 grind forever grind forever you'll just grind yourself into the ground like that's literally all that's going to happen grinding yourself all the way into the ground and oh but you know i can rest when i'm dead well you're going to die very soon if you keep going (laughs) like you know so it's not taking in those things that society is telling you that by sitting still and being present with yourself Mm. that that's unproductive because actually that is when you are your most productive Mm. I don't know what I want to put out creatively unless I know who I am. Yeah. So I need to keep checking back in with me. Does mm. this feel good? Because otherwise you'll just chase the money or you'll chase the endorsements or you'll chase like everything that's been offered to you because you've forgotten who you are. Mm. And Mary, uh, Mariam Hassana, who I follow on Instagram, she's great. She put up a post today and she puts it up quite frequently actually that says, sometimes your blessings can't find you because you're pretending to be someone else because your specific blessing only recognizes you at your truest form but you're busy parading because you've been told that that's what you're meant to look like and meant to be like when actually if you show up in the world as who you are it's much easier for the universe to recognize you and recognize your energy and direct the things that belong to you your way yeah it's like the um i think it's an oscar wilde quote Mm. um it says you were born an original why die a copy Copy, yep yep and it's like same thing it's like you know a lot of the time people are spending their lives trying to be someone they're yeah. not rather than actually you're born as a very unique being mm-hmm. like just be just be that be you be that yeah. exactly and um, so how personal do the, the the backlashes online get they can't get very personal because people don't know much about me i mm. think maybe it's my personality type infj or whatever um mm. i'm an incredibly private person and i share as much as i share and then mm. i think that most of my sharing and my thinking and my introspection happens in my therapy sessions but generally even with my family I've just naturally always been that way I'm Mm. not very like like forthright in that way I don't give of myself in that way Mm. um and I compartmentalize a lot of things like that's work that's family that's this (laughs) um so it can't ever get truly personal like I most times I see it as a compliment like they'll say stuff and I'll be like oh thanks (laughs) (laughs) you're rude I'm like oh thanks (laughs) Um, the worst has probably been just having horse manure sent to me at my studio really yeah but even then that wasn't offensive because it was like really well packaged it was 100% organic it's like thanks that you spent 26 euros sending me this anonymously 100% organic (laughs) yeah it didn't smell because it was all nicely neatly packaged so 
I was meant to be annoyed. I was meant to be offended by yeah, the yeah. act, but it couldn't offend me because it was still nice. Yeah. Someone yeah. had to go through that time and effort to do and it. And spend so that it's money. Like, exactly. So it's That's nice. So was there, I, I saw something, I think again, it was like over the summer mm. where there was a lot of backlash about um, you and your fiance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because obviously you speak quite openly about empowering black women, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I don't know, I don't know how, I can't remember how it, came out I think yeah. you spoke on a YouTube show YouTube show yeah. that was right um, about having your fiance and you know he's a white Polish yeah, man yeah. and all of a sudden everyone was like hold on you're like this black <laughs> activist and like yeah. what's happened like how how was that because that I guess is probably quite personal because it's yeah about you and you know a very personal relationship to you yeah so how was that kind of dealing with it I just thought people were annoying it didn't bother me um, the way that it should have or they hoped that it would because Again, people don't know much about me. Mm. Um, And I'd already shared, like I've been with my partner for going on, what, six years? So there are images and there are videos. I did an advert with him even. So Mm. there are things out on my page that I've put there because you wouldn't get them otherwise because I don't allow my other family to put things up. So there are things that I've put on the internet, on my Instagram, weddings we've been to, um, events that we've been at. Like this person is there. Mm. (laughs) So it just seemed really ludicrous to me that, People are like, oh my God, I've just discovered this thing. What you've just discovered, this thing that's been there for almost six years. So I knew that it wasn't about that. They didn't care about that at all. It was just that they needed something and they wanted to run with something. And it was like, oh, this is hypocritical. But I thought, how is it hypocritical? Because therefore a feminist shouldn't date men at all. In in the most radical sense of the word, a feminist shouldn't date men at all because patriarchy. Meantime, you're claiming to be feminist and you're dating men. So there you go. And you can critique structures. And I think that this is what people fail to be able to kind of break apart. I can critique a structure and the detrimental aspects of a structure and still like the individuals who probably benefit from that structure because they're more self-aware than the average person Mm. who's just taking all of these benefits and not aware of what's going on. Um, But I think that we're at a stage where, especially with social media, where people don't have much complex thought. They don't have much nuance in anything that they want to say. And the important thing for me when that was all happening was I just stayed quiet. I didn't even talk because mm. it's not, they're not talking to me. Like they're literally not talking to me. Anyone who knows anything about me would just be like, well, that she showed us already. Yeah. Like she, she, she has showed us not. And I've written threads even talking about the complexities of being in interracial relationships when you are um, mm. aware of societal injustices. There are threads even written about that. Mm. So I, th- what I got from that and around that car, um, time, I was doing my tarot readings for myself and I pulled the uh, the tower card and the tower card came out, the world card came out and they're both um, major arcanas. They're both life energies. Mm. And so the tower card comes up when things in your life are about to be destroyed or energies in your life are about to be destroyed. But people see the tower card and I still see the tower card whenever it comes up. And I'm like, fuck. Gosh, because whatever it is, you've got to hold on tight because it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be horrible. And it's just going to be like, someone's just come and like flip the table um, in front of your face. Was that before this? this Yeah, before and during. The card just kept coming up. And the card was a reminder um, for me that yes, this feels like a very bumpy ride. It feels like if you look at the image of the tower card, people is fire and people are like jumping out of the windows to save themselves. And it's just really horrific. 
But ultimately what the tower is doing is that we get chances as individuals to clear things out ourselves. When we don't clear it out ourselves, it gets cleared for us. And sometimes it wasn't for us to clear out. The universe is clearing it out because there needs to be new soil to be able to build upon Mm. or the foundations that things were built um, upon before were so faulty that you need to like demolish it and start again. So for me, the tower card was coming up around that time to say that all the things that you were used to before, when you were just existing in your little corner of the internet and you just thought, I'm going to be here saying my (laughs) things, they're not going to work anymore. It's going to be cleared out because you're going to be thrust into a new sphere altogether because that's where you need to be. Mm. Um, So, and I was reassured because the world card came out, which is sort of like telling me that it's the ending of a cycle. It's almost like a graduation, a spiritual graduation into another sphere. Like it's what I said to you earlier about compliments. Mm. If that is all you could find, find, because I gave it to you on a show. um, But if that's all you could find, then I've done pretty well. You didn't find anything about me being, um, speaking wildly about colorism. You couldn't literally find anything else. So actually that was a good um, way of me being able to check before I move to the next level of my career, if there's anything I need to know about myself that I wasn't otherwise aware of. And that's just that. So Mm. I've done well. Yeah. And did it cause any friction with you and your fiance? No, he's not on social media. And that's, that's what would have pissed me off if he was on social media and he was like, and he would have, he would have got some. Yeah. 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 And that's why I don't, I don't post my fiance. I don't post my brothers. I don't mm. really post my mum. I don't post my personal life because I'm here for the work, yeah. not for anything yeah. else. And I think people can't differentiate between that because they think that when they have access to you in one respect, they should have access to you in every mm. respect. But the thing is, if you give them um, access to you in those aspects as well, they'll get over familiar and they'll start to say things that will be annoying. And then they'll tell you that you're oversharing. Yeah. So you can't win. Exactly. Um, and that's why it's important to have boundaries. Otherwise you'll be doing things because people say you should do them. Yeah. Um, but to note, when I look at it, as annoying as it was, and the fact that everyone was messaging me and I do appreciate it being like, oh my God, this is terrible what people are saying about you. This is all horrible stuff. And there were men, like black men who were tweeting at each other going, oh my God, didn't you see this video? I kept it for six months. I knew it would have come in handy one day. And I was just like, you kept a video of an advert that I did yeah. with my partner for six months. Yeah. Who are you? Well, who are you? Yeah. Like, like, we, I don't know you from anywhere. Um, and that scared me a little bit because I just thought there are people out here who are honestly waiting for your demise. Like they're waiting that that's, but then it scared me, but it made me sad for them because I can't imagine living my life waiting for something negative to happen to somebody yeah. else because that means I'm not really living my life. Exactly. Um, but no, I, for me, it's positive. I graduated in a way that I didn't know was possible, even financially, if we're going to be like really kind of um, vulgar about it, like financially, like my money's gone up since then as well, because people wouldn't have seen me if people, like my name was trending for five days. Yeah. So people would have naturally been like, who's Kalechi? Yeah. Let me go and look her up. Oh, she does twerk. I want a book. And that's ultimately the lesson I learned in that period of time. There was the loss of the, um, it felt like um, the universe was like, you've got so much, you know, like when you haven't finished your test or you haven't finished your coursework and then you cram for the, at the last minute, mm. it felt like the universe was making me cram at the last minute for mm. the next thing I was meant to do yeah. because the miscarriage came and then that came. And I was like, can I catch a break? Why is my life so horrible? But even thinking that I knew that it wasn't true, even at the time yeah. I knew it wasn't true because mm. I knew that I needed to cram for something and 
my name got like flung about everywhere, but it meant that so many more people knew who I was mm. and they were like, wow, this is amazing. I feel like I had magazine, um, you know, interviews and things like that. So even when people mean you harm, yeah. I always believe now more than ever that those who are speaking badly of you are actually your biggest advertisers because mm. they will take your name into places that your name wouldn't otherwise reach. Mm. So it's like fun. the old, uh, no press is bad press. Exactly, uh, literally. Thing, right? Uh, oh, that's amazing! Mm. Look, I'm very conscious of time because mm. um, we've we've gone oh, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> way, way over uh, time, but it's fine. Um, so I've got last few questions okay. for you. Um, so obviously, podcast is called Dreamers Disease. Mm -hmm. um, for you, what would be your definition of what the Dreamers Disease is? I think that the Dreamers Disease is hope. You, we are inf like infected with hope. And one of my favorite pictures ever is by G.H. Uh, Watts. It's at the Tate Britain and it's called Hope. And then there's an, there's an image of a woman. Um, she's got a little harp and it's only got one string on it. And she's blind because she's got um, a blindfold on. Mm. And I, I think they said that she's in the drawing as well. She's deaf and she's sitting on the world and the world is gray and dank and everything around her is just like deep greens and grays and it just looks so morose and she's got her ear as close to the harp as possible and she's trying to make um sound or the most beautiful music she can make from the one string wow. yeah. and to me the, and I saw that uh, image when I was like nine and it's been like the backdrop of my phone ever since oh, and really? if I if I change it it's the backdrop on my laptop or yeah, yeah. because to me that sums up life he did seven pictures but hope is the most powerful and it's the most popular and I think that that is the dreamer's disease that throughout anything that happens to us in life we're still trying to make the most beautiful music out of it and that's all we should really aspire to do mm find hope or keep our hope and 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 make as much beauty in this world as possible that's the whole reason we're here mm, and that's beautifully put as well so thank you no, for that. thank you um, <laughs> and then if, if we could wind back mm -hmm. um, an imaginary clock or jump in the time machine mm -hmm. and go and speak to a young Kalechi mm. what three bits of advice would you give her to start doing from that very moment um the first advice would definitely be to smile more because I was so grumpy <laughs> to smile more and also to just speak in empty rooms more um I wish I'd started that sooner I wish I'd started speaking in empty rooms a lot sooner because it's the time that you really use to be introspective and to speak to your guides and then things happen a lot quicker in your life if you st spend more time speaking aloud in empty rooms and to not blame myself so much I think if I'd stop blaming myself for the things that had happened in my life, I would feel more um, deserving of happiness. And that's ultimately what I didn't find for so many years, happiness, because I didn't think it was mine to have. Mm. Nice, yeah. I like that. Mm. Um, and then, so before we get onto the last mm -hmm. question, uh, where can people find you online? Um, how can they keep up to date with your movements and etc etc keep up to date with my movements um, <laughs> um, you can find me on at Kolechnikov like literally that's what I am across the board Kolechnikov like the gun yeah yeah, yeah. nice and easy and if they want to inquire about 
pole dancing or twerking or again collectionofcoff.com yeah collectionofcoff.com so i've got an instagram collectionofcoff underscore studio so you can watch the videos of the classes and see how we twerk and pole dance and bits like that but everything's just under that one name yeah and i've just remembered (laughs) shit we didn't talk about brazilian Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh we got wait we got to do this tell me about it Um, tell me about why did you get into it and what are you loving about it I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because I'd always wanted to do a martial arts that I could stick to. And I started researching because I've done like boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. And I just, it didn't sit with me. Um, and then I started doing research into which which kind of martial arts would work best for me. And I did all these quizzes and they were just like, BJJ, BJJ. And I was like, what is this BJJ? All the personal training spaces that I'd used, usually there's a BJJ class happening around me. But I just looked at them like, why are they all rolling around so mm. weirdly? But then I read one in one place that for women, it is best to learn Brazilian jiu-jitsu because most times if you're being attacked, I know it sounds like really doom and gloom, but if you're being attacked, most times the attacker is trying to get you to the ground. So if actually the ground is where you work best, you mm. have more chance of um, protecting yourself. And also it's about prote- um, preparing yourself for heavier opponents. So that's why I took it up. It's very ground-based. And most of the time I'm grappling or sparring with people who are bigger than me. And it actually works. It's, it's about understanding your body and how to use it differently from doing twerk and pole dance. I know how to use my levers and things like that. And being a personal trainer, I know that I've got a lot of strength, like physical strength, but it's how to apply it to that thing. Yeah. And I like discipline. I used to be an air cadet. I was an air cadet for many years. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was an air cadet for years and I ran for like the region and I was like football captain and things like that. So I've always been into having structure because I didn't have it in my home life. Mm. So I would go out to look for it. And I miss that. I miss being an air cadet. And I thought I want a uniform. (laughs) So so I chose BJJ because it's very, very disciplined, very disciplined. And there's, there's a clear path of progression as well white belt and all of that so you know where you're going and I like things to be very clear Mm. um and it's very challenging you know I've put myself in a space where I'm not good at this thing but it's always a way to keep my ego in check and I always say to people that if you want to be a fantastic um, teacher you have to be an incredible student so I want to be a student all the time Mm. And BJJ allows that. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos on your Instagram. Mm. It looks so tough. It's tough. And I've had conversations with um, people who, mm. who have done it and they're like, literally, I've had like pains in muscles that I didn't know existed. Yeah, and- I messed up my elbow. Well, you- like I, I didn't tap out when someone put me in an arm lock. And so they hyperextended my elbow and so I had to go to A&E and they were oh. like, there's nothing we can do, babe. You're going to have to just ride, ride this one out. out. Yeah. Um, so that took a few weeks to heal. Yeah. Um, I made sure I got a mouth guard because I want to keep my teeth. Too many women walking around with missing teeth <laughs> in BJJ and I do not want to join them. Um, but no, it's the best thing ever. I yeah. love it so much. Sick. Mm. I have to look into it. Mm. Um, so I, I've always thought like I want to get into some sort of like martial art combat sport, mm-hmm. but I'm a, a, I'm a massive like, um, um, like wimp. <laughs> That's probably the best word. <laughs> I don't want to get hit. Mm. Don't get hurt. Um, but I do really like finding fascinating. So I always mm. watch like boxing and, mm. uh, you know, kind of when I was in Brazil, I was like, went to a few like capoeira classes, mm-hmm. which is obviously non-contact, mm. which was perfect. <laughs> But so perfect but mm. um so i've always had, had that interest and i've yeah. just seen jiu-jitsu popping up like in different places yeah like, a few people i follow on instagram doing it just managed to have random conversations about mm. it so 
again it's worth doing it's worth doing and a lot of the aggression that we kind of feel day to day that we don't have a space to use it goes into that and it's not an aggression where you're just pounding mindlessly at Mm. things you have to be really strategic and logical about how because one thing you do will mean that somebody else can use their body in another way and then before you know it you're in a chokehold so Mm. it's thinking almost five steps ahead yeah yeah it's yeah, great. I like that. I like that. Mm. I'll definitely have to look into it. Yay! Um, but yeah, so final question. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your ultimate happiness goal? My ultimate happiness goal um, would probably be to have a performing arts school in Nigeria that isn't based on like money. Like, you know, you don't have to have the richest parents in the world to be able to attend because there's so much talent and creativity there that still needs to be tapped into. And there's so many people who have been forced into careers like you need to be a doctor, you need to be an engineer. And we understand why in terms of the economy and how dire it is and why parents would want you to do something that's more financially secure or allegedly so. Um, but I think that our power is in, and the, the changes that we can make societally are in what we create through art. Um, because we refer to artists all the time when we're looking at the ways in which society has managed to change. So I would love to one day have my performing arts school in Nigeria where people and young children come through and learn from the best, like not just, you know, anybody, get literally the best teachers Mm. and tutors and for them to develop and to find their power through performance. Amazing. Well, look, good luck with that. Thank you. That would be incredible. And I hope that day comes sooner rather than later. (laughs) Amen. Um, But look, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Because Friday night... um, I don't know what you're doing after, but <laughs> I'm going I'm, to eat. I'm not doing anything, so I'm chilling. <laughs> but thank you, I appreciate it. And I very much appreciate your energy, thank you. the, <laughs> the tarot. T- tarot card reading, <laughs> yeah. for how open you've been and honest you've been. Mm. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. That was Kalechi's story. I really hope you enjoyed that one. I really, really did. And I particularly enjoyed that it just went with the flow. Like I had loads of notes and questions and stuff written down. Not that I often check for the questions, but I like to do my research beforehand, etc. And literally, I don't think we spoke about half of the stuff that I'd, I'd, I'd researched and just really went with the flow of that conversation. It was really, really amazing. And, you know, hopefully you could get a sense of Kalechi's energy and how it really shone through and hearing her story. And, and I hope that you could really take a lot from it, particularly, you know, some of the stuff and the past traumas that she's faced and the kind of mindset she's adapted and how she's got through those, I think will be particularly helpful for some of you. And there's just so much just goodness in that conversation. I really, really loved it. As ever thank you for listening if you do want to get in touch with me you can always find me on instagram and twitter at i am alex manzi but until next time make sure you go out there and chase your dreams this podcast is produced by unedited